Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Caroline. And I'm Anna. And this is Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. We've had some lovely emails in, as always, so thank you so much for getting in touch. Rachel sent us an email to say that she's heard us both say how much we like the graphic novel of Persepolis, which is true. We do. She says, but have we seen the film? And if so, what do we think of it? I haven't seen the film. No, I haven't either. It was animated, wasn't it? To conform with what happened in the graphic novel. It looks very, very similar to it the looks, graphic novel. Yeah, I mean, I think Marjane Sajrapi, who wrote the book, I think she was highly involved in it, so I think she supervised all the artwork if she didn't actually do it herself. We should definitely watch that. We should. I don't know why we haven't already. Yeah, let's do that. We've also heard from Lucy, who asks, did we like the end of 13? Which regular listeners will know, we talked about it a few weeks ago, BBC Three drama about a girl who was kidnapped and then released Mm. 13 years afterwards. Yeah, I was only a couple of episodes into it when we were last discussing it, and now I'm all caught up. Are you? Yes, same. So Lucy says she also binge-watched it after she heard us recommend it, and while she really liked most of it, she's not sure how she felt about the finale and wants to hear our thoughts people still watching 13 cover your ears now because here be spoilers yeah major spoilers coming i liked the plot of the ending i liked where they took the story she got kidnapped and then released again and i liked how she was just released and then that was the end you didn't get any of the kind of aftermath stuff that you did at the beginning of the series but i wasn't sure about the melodrama of the fire and stuff Yeah, I think maybe I feel the same way as Lucy in that I'm just not really sure how I felt about that decision to recapture her. Because what I loved about this, which what we talked about before, was that the kidnapper was very much in the background and it was more about survival and how you like come back from an attack. And I couldn't decide what I thought about the decision to have her recaptured because on one hand, it's sort of like her worst nightmare playing out on screen and like all the anxieties her and her family have. Mm. And you have all these little moments throughout the series where she's sort of recaptured so like another girl goes missing of a similar age when she first disappeared and that's a sort of another capturing happening all over again and then the dad of that girl sort of grabs her in the street at night outside her house and that's almost like another kidnapping so you get all these anxieties constantly building that she's in danger of being captured again but then when they actually did it I just found it a bit indulgent almost and the bit I really had a problem with was when she's back in his control and the kidnapper is saying to her oh you have to get undressed now and like 
like she awful. starts slowly taking her clothes off and you're a bit like who is this serving why are we watching this this mm. feels a bit like unnecessarily titillating and his sort of creepiness was very in your face and it was all quite violent and I was a bit like well this is horrible but it's just horrible and it might be an accurate representation it might be it might not be of what it would be like to be in that situation but kind of either way I was a bit like why do we need to see it when they'd done so well of us with us not seeing it yes I agree with that you're right what we liked about it in the first few episodes was the fact that it foregrounded Ivy's experience mm-hmm. after she escaped her new life not what happened in the thing but it was very dramatic it was I think for seeing that kind of stuff close up it was okay yeah I think it could have been worse and I think it was an interesting decision and I don't know how else they could have ended it really without that happening mm-hmm. because that was sort of the logical conclusion because it was what the kidnapper wanted to do and he was sort of set on doing it somehow but just some moments made me feel a little uncomfortable so I'm mixed feelings for me yes my enthusiasm for 13 kind of waned between the fourth and fifth episodes i think yeah so i fancied elliot and would watch him in something else immediately oh so much yeah, yeah definitely and, and that actually <laughs> one, we of, meant to take away one of my frustrations about the ending was the fact that i really want to know if like him and lisa do actually get together yeah. how does it work how, how does it work when? out is she going to be okay like, i don't know I, I know you're not supposed to like ship minor characters <laughs> in the background but that is how i felt so another email we've had in from candy who said that she wanted to just email in to say she loves the podcast but especially the last episode covering friendship Mm. uh, which was kind of a little off piste for us wasn't it she says my best friend and i have grown up with a number of cultural differences and while that was never a problem when we were growing up apart from when we couldn't really have sleepovers and go clubbing when we were 18 strict parents what can you do it is making an unexpected difference when i find that i can't really rant to her about the patriarchy or systemic racism in the workplace but after listening yesterday i called her and we had a really nice chat so thank you which is lovely oh that's excellent yeah it's nice to think that friends are reconnecting and it's always difficult in relationships when you're like my experience in the world is very different to yours oh yeah exactly it's really difficult but i think it is possible so that's cool thanks candy one great big circle of warm huggy ladyless yep so yeah anyone else who liked the female friendship stuff should probably check her book out beautiful broken things yeah brilliant the next thing we're going to talk about, much anticipated. <laughs> yes, a few people on Twitter got in touch to ask if we were going to do this. Of course we were going to do this. You knew we were going to do it. The next thing we're going to talk about is Zane of our hearts. <laughs> Zane of One Direction fame. So Mind of Mine is the debut solo album from former One Direction member Zane Malik, featuring a track list riddled with random capitalization. It is really weird if you've seen, <laughs> seen the album cover. And titles like Pillow Talk, She, Rear View and TIO, which stands for take it off <laughs> the album sees Zayn announce to the world I too have had sex so that's basically all you need to know about this album going in I'd say it's... and that it's kind of more smooth R&B than One Direction's pop I yeah would say. definitely yeah. It's, it's kind of I think the sort of heartbeat of this album is still pop yeah I would say and my favourite tracks are the poppiest ones ah really yeah slightly unusually for a pop star though actually as time goes on this is becoming less and less unusual for pop stars it's sort of like a few bangers and then a few like more sort of moody atmospheric album Mm. tracks and then there's these sort of little almost instrumental interludes and introductions and stuff so it starts with one of those called Mind of Mind note the extra D to the album title Mind of Mind (laughs) It's a bit like that teenage girl TV series intro where it's like, welcome to my world. That's basically (laughs) what the mind of mind intro is.
just saying, being like, hi, welcome to my mind. <laughs> You're like, okay, then. And then it all gets more poppy from the beginning, would you say? Mm. The first sort of four tracks are like the lead singles, basically, of the yeah, album. Yeah, but D- Pillow Talk definitely is quite poppy. Yeah. And then we have It's You, which is a sort of ballady one that he released before. And then Before, which mm. is the current single, I think, which is pretty poppy. But then it do- And She, which I found like brilliant. She puts the spirit in like her She always knows where the crowds are She puts her mouth down a cigarette I put it actually... And really, really poppy. Yeah, it's a really good song. I really like that one. But then there are some weirder ones, aren't there, as well? Yeah, there's one that's in Urdu. Yeah, so that's called Intermission Colon Flower, which I listened to on repeat for about two hours, twice. Once on the train when I was reading, and I did really want to sort of be distracted by the bigger melodies on the album. So I just had that going round and round in my head for about two hours. And then a second time in the bath with a glass of oh. wine, which I would really recommend. That sounds really nice. Yeah. I have to try that. 100% recommend that. And I'm also a real fan of Borders and Truth, which have a similar sort of atmospheric, Mm. more low-key vibe to them. Yeah, it's a really strange album, actually. It's not at all what I expected. Zayn's kind of departure from One Direction, going solo announcement of his creative intent to be. Mm. Maybe I'm naive, but it doesn't feel very managed. Yeah, I think it is slightly all over the place, Mm. isn't it? But maybe in a good way? Yeah, no, I'm definitely pro that, but I sort of had assumed that you know, uh, one-fifth of such a famous pop group would not be able to get away with releasing an album with random capitals and one song in a language that lots of his fans don't understand. Yeah. You know, his management would be like, no, Zane, that's for the third album, you know, (laughs) or something, I don't know. But yeah, he's done it and it's brilliant. And I think I'm right in saying this. So this is a number one album in the UK, which is not something that One Direction have ever had. Oh, I'm not sure about that, actually. I don't know. Oh, I read read somewhere that, or maybe it's the single. Oh, that's it. They've never had a number one single. Yes, I think maybe What Makes You Beautiful is like number two or something, yeah. but I don't think they did get a number one UK. I, I mean, I'm not going to swear on my life about that. But Yeah, so and, and he has with seemingly... It's also number one in something like 71 countries, which is apparently some sort of record, so, I mean, he's smashing it. Yeah, well he done. really is. So yeah. it's, it's kind of gone for him, post One Direction has gone as well as it possibly could, mm. which is great, because hopefully, given that the music's been so successful, that will be what he gets to do and talk about now rather than, why did you leave the band? <laughs> Yeah, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. Obviously, you know, the other boys are going to be doing their own projects in the not too distant future as well. So yeah. there'll inevitably be comparisons and yeah, all that kind of stuff. He's obviously made a smart move by going out there first and being able to have a bit of independence. Totally. That's why he's produced sort of quite a, fa- a fairly reflective of his personality, I think, album. Yeah, it's kind of had mixed reviews from what I've seen mm. from critics. I really love the Pitchfork review. What did they give it? They gave it 5.9, okay. I think. It's not that bad. Just not that bad bad pitchfork at all but some of the things that they said about his voice i thought were really really weird (laughs) so they said that on his own uninterrupted by other voices zane's vocal can sound shapeless with his vowels collapsing into mumbled piles of feeling (laughs) 
I mean, that doesn't make sense, but I kind of know what they mean. Yeah, I think I do as well. Because I think one of the things about Zayn as a vocalist in One Direction is that they sound like they've been taught how to sing by an X-Factor vocal coach. Yes. who has been like, don't forget to pronounce your consonants and keep that something sharp at the end or whatever. And then that Zayn comes in where he's like, I'm not really saying any words. And then goes away again and it's quite like, ooh, the edgy one. Mm. And then on this, it all can become a little bit structureless at times, can't yeah, it? Yeah, there's another great bit when it says, when he unleashes his falsetto, it pierces the track. A crystal tower rising through the surface of the earth. Ooh, that's phallic. <laughs> Very phallic. Which, given the nature of the album, kind of makes sense. I mean, I just love this as a way of writing about voices. Are we just allowed to say anything now? Can we just say, yeah, mm, warm like chili? Like, <laughs> whatever. Maybe we should. But yeah, so I love this Pitchfork review, even though it makes no sense. We should, I think, tackle the subject matter oh, of this album. Zane's had sex. Zane's had sex, and he wants the world to know. Yeah, I sometimes, when I listen to this album, I feel like it hurts me in a place of my heart. Like, I find it really cringeworthy in those moments where he sings about sex in a certain way, because there's a lyric, and I'm really paraphrasing here, so don't shoot me for this, Zane fans, but he says something like, I'll get her wetter than ever, she likes it when I'm messy, I like her because she's a freak or something, and I'm like, I bet you just have the most boring missionary sex ever like it, they think they're really crazy and you're like oh I can just tell I don't know how but I can just tell that you are not having interesting sex at all <laughs> it makes me like want to die I can't bear people it people who are don't sing about it and they don't say things like yeah she's so she's a freak because she gets really wet you're like okay I don't know what you're saying like that doesn't make sense you're weird I can't bear it you're just having boring sex just admit it it's fine you don't have to make this song and dance about how it's interesting just because she like has bodily functions mm. yeah do you think there's a, a part of his calculation that is like, you know, One Direction grew up as a band, but they still weren't like raunchy at any mm. point, were they? They had a very kind of clean image. Yeah. That he was like, I'm not in that band anymore. This is all my sex material I've been holding back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was just using all this in the bedroom, but now... uh you guys can have it too. Yeah, mm. I think that's what's happened. And also, yeah, it's just really funny because there are also lots of very veiled digs about the man and not wanting to be controlled anymore yeah. and like needing to be free. You can just tell that he, he had a lot of feelings. He <laughs> was like, guys, I've got my journal. I'm going to like get all my feelings out now I'm out of this band. Would you rather stick on this album or a One Direction album, do you think? Probably this one. Do you reckon? Yeah. I think there are two like sides to the coin for me because I think I like sort of the production and the atmosphere on this album. Mm. I like it's produced by Frank Ocean's producer and I think you can tell yeah. if you've listened to the Frank Ocean album and so I like that so I you know I think trains in the bath this is great but no none of the songs on this album really moved me and I know it sounds stupid to be like One Direction songs sometimes move me but like they make me really feel like excited and like oh yeah no I didn't get that feeling from any of this which I totally do from some One Direction songs yeah but I think as a 45 minutes worth of music, mm. as, as a whole album, as wanky reviewers say, yeah. I prefer this. I agree. I think One Direction make better singles. Definitely. But I think so far Zayn's made a better album. I would like to see him release a different single from this album, because all the ones he's released so far I haven't like really been enamoured with at all. Mm. I wasn't the biggest fan of Pillow Talk or Before or It's You or Like I Would. They're all like fine to me. I'd quite like him to release like She or Truth or Borders or mm. even Wrong, the one with Kalani on it oh, which yeah. I really liked that would be more exciting I think from Zane have you seen any explanation of why some of the letters are randomly capitalised no <laughs> <laughs> other than like Zane was really into that 2004 MS then aesthetic that's like as far as I've got with my extensive research into this topic <laughs> Yeah. 
Now we're going to talk about Zootropolis, which, for the avoidance of confusion, is called Zootopia in the US and is titled Other Things in Other Territories, but in the UK it's Zootropolis. It's a Disney animated film set in a world where animals have evolved to be city-dwelling, clothes-wearing citizens. It follows Judy, Zootropolis's first rabbit police officer, and her unlikely crime-solving partnership with the fox Nick Wilde, who is voiced by Jason Bateman. Zootropolis, a gleaming city where animals of all breeds Predator and prey alike live together in peace and harmony. Hi, I'm Judy, your new neighbor. Yeah, well, we're loud. Don't expect us to apologize for it. ZPD's first rabbit officer, Judy Hopps. You ready to make the world a better place? I really like that the fox is called Nicholas P. Wild. <laughs> He's P. Wild, guys. <laughs> it's confusing, the name thing, isn't it? Yeah, I'd love to hear a presentation from a marketing person as to why they felt British people would not be able to handle the phrase Zootopia. What's it called in China? That was my favourite one. Crazy Animal City. <laughs> Crazy Animal City. <laughs> Obviously in Mandarin or whatever, yeah, but yeah. that's what it translates as. I love that so much. Yeah, I would really like to read sort of like an 8,000 word essay describing what the significance is of the two titles and how it would change your viewing experience to go in and see Zootopia and Zootropolis because the two words kind of mean very different things right? They do and I actually prefer Zootopia the American title. Do because, you? Yes because I feel like that immediately gives you a sense of the political aims of, of Zootropolis. Zootropolis the or is city. it called Zootopia in the film? What's the city? No no the city's the called Zootropolis in the film Zootropolis. as well. But of course Zootopia it is not. Yeah exactly. So Mm, I don't know. Make you think. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I, I think the American title sets that up sooner. And that's interesting. And there's more irony at play. Yes. Perhaps. Which is clearly what <laughs> Disney are going for <laughs> with the release of what I believe is their 55th animated feature film. Wow. I want to go straight in and say I loved this film. Yeah, me too. I thought it was so funny so clever. A lot of messages. A lot, lot of, of messages. <laughs> lots of, it gave me lots of feelings about multiculturalism. Yeah, exactly. Lots of stuff about, you know, the hierarchy and mm. overlapping oppressions. And I thought it was really, really clever. So basically we start off with our like little bouncing bunny, Judy Pops, who is like at school and like a little baby bunny and like getting bullied by the other bigger, more aggressive predatory animals. Because the quotes. thing about this society is that Animals all live together in harmony. There's no predator or prey anymore and everyone can be friends. Animals do not eat each other. Yes. So yeah, she gets bullied by like a bigger fox and she's like upset about it. But she's like, I'm going to achieve my dreams of becoming a police officer, even if the fox bully says I can't. Uh, and then she does. We like, there's a great training montage, which I really enjoyed <laughs> of her like sort of in a Mulan style, like, you know, going over some climbing walls and like obstacle courses and just you know being a bunny cop and it was great and then she gets to the big city leaves her family behind gets to zootropolis and finds that being a police officer as a rabbit is really hard and there's a really great scene where she like it's her first day and she's all excited and she like goes into the room and idris elba plays this like big bison kind of <laughs> who's the police chief yeah. yeah and he's like we've had some new recruits today and we don't care about them so i'm not going to name them it's a very like macho atmosphere and all the animals are really big and she's really little she's like a feminine animal and they're all really masculine so for me that was the moment that was sort of the feminism angle yeah and then as it goes on the easy comparison becomes a lot more sort of race based i'd say but obviously it's ridiculous to try and (laughs) map their the prejudices of this animal world exactly onto our own because they don't quite match but it is definitely 
where that exploration of like, ooh, our stereotypes about other species are harmful to our multicultural city start to come in. Yeah, well, because so, the political sort of dichotomy that gets set up is the predator-prey one. Mm -hmm. That there's something nasty going on where previously totally upstanding citizens of Zootropolis who happen to be from the kind of predator class of animal suddenly go savage and hurt people, mm. hurt other animals. We learn that about one in ten animals in Zootropolis is a predator and the political hierarchy, the mayor and stuff is freaking out because our whole society is built on the fact that we can live together in harmony mm -hmm. if nine out of ten citizens worry that they're going to be attacked by their own neighbours what does that mean for how we live exactly and there's also lots of other sort of smaller like stereotypes but like between species and stuff so one of the first characters Judy meets in Zootropolis is a fox. Her rabbit parents have given her fox repellent spray to mm. take with her and they're like, don't trust foxes. And then she obviously meets this fox and she's really surprised and he's like a really nice guy and she like really patronisingly tells him that he's really articulate. And there's lots of little moments in this film yeah. like that that you can like map onto quite specific and analogies. A, I thought that actually when, so uh, the deputy mayor, voiced by Jenny Slate of yeah. Obvious Child. He's like a lamb. Yeah, he's a like a, a sort of small you, I suppose. Mm. She's helping them with something at the computer and the fox just like touches her hair. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, another really which good Which is one. another really good one. These sort of microaggressions between yeah. species that you could map on to sort of microaggressions about gender or race in our society. Yeah, exactly. She's really surprised to see that this fox is a good guy and like stands up for him in this really patronising way in a shop and then it's revealed that actually he is a quote sly fox and is like scamming on the side, really enjoying his like scam lifestyle. Mm. And then <laughs> she kind of becomes mates with him as she realises that in that sort of classic way he's like the criminal who could like help her with yeah. her police activities in befriending him she obviously realizes that all her stereotypes are kind of stupid and that he might behave in a certain way because people expect him to behave a certain way well he sort of says that doesn't he he says um if people think you're just a sly fox why bother trying to be anything else yeah one thing i really loved about the world of the city incidentally is the fact that it has totally different climactic zones <laughs> yeah so it's like segregated <laughs> into <laughs> districts but kind of in an awesome way because it's so that all the animals can live in a habitat that they're comfortable in. Yeah. So there's like tundra land yeah. and rainforest, rainforest zone and... and Sahara city and like all the different. And then there's like road, small rodentville where <laughs> everything is tiny. <laughs> everything is tiny and, uh, and all the houses are like up to the fox's knees, you know? Yeah. And then there's like lots of smaller jokes. Like they go to the DUV, DMV, the DMV place where you get a driving license. Yeah. yeah, they go to the DMV and it's all it's totally staffed by sloths, and yeah. they're all like so slow. This was one of the funniest bits of the movie yeah. for me. The scene where like the sloth is like trying to trace a license plate for them, and he's doing it so slowly, and it's just you can't you can't articulate why it's so funny. You have to see it. Are you saying that because he's a sloth, he can't be fast? Flash, flash, 100-yard dash. Buddy, it's nice to see you. Nice to see you, hmm. too. Hmm. Officer Judy Hap, CPD, how are you? I am doing... Fine? Well, what... Hang in there. ...can I do... Well, I was hoping you could run a... ...for you... Well, I was hoping you Today. could... Today. But it's just the, brilliant. This, oh, and the slow motion facial expressions. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's the amazing. Like, the fox tells him a joke, and then you get, like, full five seconds of, like, slow motion feature movement into smile. It's, yeah, it's brilliant. So funny. It's really good. The best of all children's films are obviously the ones that both children and adults oh. can enjoy in equal measure, so there'll be, like, a really silly, like, slapstick bit of humour that 
the kids will really laugh out loud out and then there'll be a godfather reference for the yeah. for the grown-ups and like everyone will be like cracking up at the godfather references which i loved yeah i mean it's definitely up there with like finding nemo in that way yeah you know the gangster stuff is really i love that so the the gangsters are all what are they polar bears no no they're they're rats oh they're, the, yeah yeah so he's yeah, all his henchmen are like polar bears, polar bears and but... then the big reveal is like the polar bears are walking in and they're getting bigger and bigger and he's like is, is that mr big is that mr big and then like the biggest polar bear of all comes in and like stretches out his hand and there's just like a small vole <laughs> in the palm of his hand and he's like in an armchair like that sort of fox's biscuit gangster yeah you disrespect me on the day of my daughter's wedding <laughs> he's like tiny <laughs> it's so funny that is excellent one of my favorite bits that i was like laughing out loud at in the whole my favourite joke in all of Frozen, which like made me cry with laughter when I saw it, is the mayor I keep calling Weaselton and then he like will snap <laughs> yeah, at him, yeah. Weselton, it's Weselton, and he like looks just like a weasel, and it made me laugh so much in Frozen. And then in this film they like come across a weasel and they call him Mr. Weselton and he's like, It's Weaselton <laughs> Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> which made me laugh loads. So it was like full of little joys for me. I found the whole thing just like a complete joy to watch and like really smart and brilliant. Yeah, and, and like I, I love the the running thread about so the biggest pop star in Zootropolis <laughs> is called Gazelle. Yeah. Uh and the receptionist at the police department, who is a cheetah, uh, is obsessed with her and he's got this app where it like looks like you're dancing with Gazelle and so at various <laughs> so times good. in the film he's like makes other people do this show, showing people this and then the whole film ends with like a massive gazelle concert. I know. Um, when I was watching this uh, my boyfriend turned to me in the cinema and was like, you know, they filmed this at an actual gazelle concert. <laughs> I was like, great, good one. <laughs> but yeah, I loved all that. It was really funny. Yeah, it's such a textured world. And whilst, and, and like 90% of me was like, this is making this film amazing. The fact that this world feels so fully realised. Yeah, like the back of her phone will be like a carrot with a bite out of it instead of an apple. Like all these little exactly, things. Exactly, like, all these oh. touches are so, so brilliant. About 10% of me was like, they've just done this for the merchandising opportunities. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Um, and for the spin-offs and the sequels but you know when a film is excellent who cares yeah exactly so i would recommend that you all go see it and think deeply about structural oppression and also just have two hours of pure joy (laughs) but i mean but who could ask for more you can have both exactly hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when i asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts they said what the f*** are you talking about you insane hollywood ass!" so to recap we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites so if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Loved it. Welcome to Zootopia. So last episode, I recommended Anna the novel The Magicians, which is the first book in a trilogy by Lev Grossman. It follows the character Quentin Coldwater, a high school student from Brooklyn who attends a magical university in upstate New York. It's been called Harry Potter for grown-ups, and Grossman himself writes Harry Potter fan fiction mostly for his daughter, who is called Lily. Ah, oh, that sounds like another Lily and father. I Harry know. Potter, I, what reading I think, team we know? I think this is a yeah from the Potter and Daughter podcast. Yeah, I think this is a trend. You know that guys who either grew up reading Harry Potter or were really into it at the time it was came out name their are now old Lily. enough to have children that they name Lily. <laughs> That's so funny. It's funny that she is the the one. I guess Hermione, maybe it's just because it's such an overly complicated name and Lily's a more sort of normal muggle name. So yeah, uh, Anna, what did you make of The Magicians? The Magicians, I I find the Harry Potter comparison funny because one thing that The Magicians made me realise about Harry Potter is how incredibly tightly structured Harry Potter is. Mm. So The Magicians is sort of like, I can see why people call it Harry Potter for grown-ups because it's set in college so they're all teenagers when the novel begins, so there's a bit more, like, chat about, like, sex and stuff. I remember when I started reading it and the word penis was on, like, page four, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> this is how it's going to be, is it? They go through the entire college experience, so they're there for, like, four or five years. Four or five years, I think it is, And yeah. then they have, like, a year out, and then it's, it's like, it spans a huge amount of time, this book. Yeah. Whereas the Harry Potter ones, it's so time passes in a very orderly fashion, it, even though the books get longer and stuff time passes at the same rate it feels like throughout well, the Harry Potter she, series she pegged it to the school year so there are yeah. certain events that are in every book like Christmas is in every book exams are in every book Halloween you know? is often yeah. there like it feels like it feels regulated yeah and familiar and it's sort of like a very good way to sort of just like hang all the broader plot mm. points on that you've got these like really set structures in each well, book even have you seen that picture I think J.K. Rowling tweeted it or something at some point of of the like grid she made of the seven books oh really and, and yeah it was really interesting and like down the side she had like books one through seven and then across the top she had like Quidditch matches feasts yeah she you had, can tell she had all of that. the like major events and then where the two met she'd like write the details of like what is the halloween feast in book two and she'd write you know that's so cool so it's, it's like she's built this like really structured clothes horse and just yeah. thrown this like big magical cape over it whereas when reading the magicians you're just like sort of going through this whole like maze of fabric and you don't really know where it's yeah where it begins or ends and I think, for me, I prefer the sort of orderly Harry Potter approach to these things. So I became really obsessed with time when I was reading it, because time is sort of a big figure in The Magicians, right? Yes. It's like a big presence. So one of the first things we learn is when we get to Break Bills, which is the name of the school or the college. So the sort of college version of Hogwarts, if you will, in this. He quickly realises the calendar's off. So it's some it's really warm, even though it was really cold in Brooklyn, where he's yeah. from. He's obsessed with these stories, which are a lot like... 
Narnia before he even realizes that like break bills and magic and stuff exist. The villain of those books is called like the Watchwoman or the Watcherwoman or something, and it's all about ticking clocks yeah. and time and like the Narnia books when the when the kids who are visiting the magical world get to a certain age, they're not allowed to be there anymore. And while you're so in the Narnia equivalent in these books is called Fillery, and while you're in Fillery, it's as if no time passes in exactly. the real world. Yeah, you're right. The time is the, the it's messy and theme. confusing and like the whole way through so sometimes i'd be like am i really confused about how long he's been at this school because it's a point quentin gets bumped up a year and so he's a third year when he's actually only really been there like a year and a half mm. but in the text it said during his third year like lowercase it was his th- his third year had begun and i was like wait he hasn't been there three years he's only been and i was getting so confused and i can't tell if this is like a technique of or just dear a old bit sloppy. or just actually if it's all getting a bit out of hand because so much happens <laughs> yeah. so quickly so my favorite bit of the whole book is when they all get turned into geese and go and to you were going to say that i don't really? know why i just knew it. i was like it's the geese it's i love so the caroline geese. <laughs> they like literally they get told to like go up to the roof naked it reminded me of that you know that traumatizing scene in pinocchio where everyone starts turning into donkeys <laughs> yeah. they start like having horrible contortions and becoming these big geese yeah, and it is really, and then they like have to fly. And then they to a fly all the, all the way to Antarctica to break bills south, and then they have to just be geese there for a while and other stuff. Like there's a whole outpost of the school, and it's to like teach you to really focus your magic in Arctic conditions or whatever. Educationally, it's a bit suspect, but I just it was just so random. And <laughs> it it just, is, but just, that so sums it up. Yeah. the whole book as a whole, because like I remember reading it and being like, okay, wait, now they've been turned into foxes and they're having fox sex. What the hell am I reading? <laughs> they're literally having fox sex and they're, they're losing their virginity as foxes. I'm so confused. And like sometimes there'll just be two paragraphs where if you blinked, you'd miss them. If you were like skim reading this book, you would miss them. Mm. Like, for example, he finishes just before he graduates. There's like two paragraphs where he's like, also, he became an international welters champion. <laughs> welters is the Quidditch equivalent, although it's sort of more like chess. Yeah, and it's just like these two paragraphs where he's like, he travelled the world playing welters. First, he went to this country. Ooh, chilly. Welters was bad. Then he went to this country. Very sunny. The welters game, he also lost that one. And then you're like, wait, what's the point of these two paragraphs? Just being like, by the way, Quentin became an international welters player. <laughs> For some time. I don't know. It's so, I'm just, sometimes I'm like, Lev, you're just sat there at a computer like, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Now he's a welter's champion. Anyway, back to the whole time shit. And I'm like, okay, I don't yeah. know what's going on. But so the the kind of, I, I think the, the main plot is about this small group of students that Quentin becomes friends with. Uh, and they stay friends after they've all graduated. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of, you know, cool and outcasty and... A bit affected and pretentious. and pretentious and like we don't care what we do we'll just drink all day and do magic all night and no one will ever know blah, blah, blah. yeah they're kind of unbearable um and he so by the end of break bills quentin is going out with alice a fellow student mm. um and they sort of go and live with these people in new york and they live this sort of devil may care lifestyle with them and then it all goes to shit after yeah. that really too complicated to try and explain here if you are interested you should read it but what i wanted to to ask you about was the quentin alice relationship yeah i mean i found quentin an unbearable presence i'm gonna keep doing the annoying thing of comparing this to harry potter but it didn't i was like ah everyone always makes jokes about how harry is annoying but actually you have a deep love for harry when you read the harry potter books and you know he's fundamentally decent that's kind of the point you're like it's a bit like a brother or even like a child you like love him so much even though you're a bit like 
Harry being noble again. Quentin is like a misanthrope. And like yeah, he's a really horrible person. Awful and like mean all the time. And I found that it's, this like particularly comes across him in his relationships with women. Again, part of me is like, is this a really surprisingly good portrayal of a misanthropic and sexist young man? Or is the author actually a bit sexist? <laughs> so I... A friend of a friend is actually friends with him and personally vouches for him. Okay. So, so I think he's trying to write a mean character. Well, it's very accurate then. Because... And I think that's part of his whole like Harry Potter for grown-ups thing, is that yeah. in Harry Potter for grown-ups, Harry no, would be a dick. And no, But also no one's bad in Harry yeah. Potter, really. Obviously, you have the evil people and you have the good people and you don't really have anything in between. Mm. Whereas a lot of these characters... Well, you do. It, it's Mundungus Fletcher. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and even then you're just like, well, you're just a bad, bad guy. Yeah. But like all these characters are sort of something in between. So there's this great bit where there's this character in it called Amanda Orloff, who's sort of in the background, but like becomes a figure that they return to often. There's a moment in a classroom where she like helps him out of a humiliating situation. And he says he would have run back to where she was sitting and kissed her on her broad and moisturized forehead, which I just <laughs> thought was like the most hilariously sexist description of a forehead you could ever have. <laughs> and as we talked about the goose thing... Alice is a goose for several months flying to break Bill South and after she loses loads of weight Quentin looks at her and says she looked lovely and gaunt and lost and you're like uh Quentin you creep you're absolute creep and yeah he's just awful about all the women around him all the time so I all the whole way through I, although I quite liked the Alice Quentin relationship I was a bit like Alice you can do better than this guy <laughs> She's like amazing, a really great character. The plot often is like, Quentin felt sorry for Alice. He wanted to protect her. Alice does really badass thing. Quentin vowed again to never underestimate Alice. <laughs> repeat, repeat, repeat. Yeah, that like, is he kind just of does how that it loads. Yeah. yeah, there are definite... Like, Quentin is not likeable. There are definite problems with this book. But what I do really, really like about it is the sort of magic in the world. Some of that is so interesting. Yeah. Like the fact that unlike, I think, in Harry Potter magic in this world is really difficult mm -hmm. and really academic and you have to in order to be able to work a spell you have to learn all of the possible physical conditions in which the spell might have to happen and how it might be different for all those things and memorize them all yeah and that's really hard it's a bit like and there is a lot of talk about sort of the importance of languages in this but it's a bit like i imagine learning cases like you have to know how yes. the word would look in all its different cases but once you become proficient enough at the language you become sort of intuitive and you sort of know what a new word would yeah, look you like don't have in different to cases recite all the declensions yeah to be able to do it. you sort yeah. of instinctively would be like oh well that's that that word would look like this so yeah although they do have to learn all these different conditions there's also a level of talent involved where they have to be like ah oh, well it's slightly damp so i'll just do put this sort of edge on it and i like the sort of hogwartsy type details about the school so like i really like that in the library no one can ever find any books whatsoever and some of the books have kind of gone feral because <laughs> ages ago someone thought it'd be a really good idea if you enchanted all the books so that they flew and so that you could just like summon a book and it would fly to you. Apart from what happened is the books all decided to reshelve themselves and some of them have just become hunting packs of books. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I felt really strongly though was that as we said, these characters are a bit more complex and darker and a bit less likeable than sort of young adult fantasy characters. And I think through a lot of this, I was like, yeah, these characters really love magic. They're not really into it for noble reasons no. in the same way that Harry Potter characters are. So like you learn so quickly when you read Harry Potter that like magic is a thing, but it's not the most important thing. Like the most important thing is being a good person and like looking after your friends and mm. stuff like that. Whereas in this, the whole time you're a bit like, I never really know what their motives are for like d doing certain things and like trying to achieve certain levels of magic. It always seems like they're doing it for power mm. and you never really, you, I feel like if, 
if these characters were in Harry Potter, they could quite easily become Voldemort, like quite quickly. Yeah, yeah. The, the whole book is full of potential Voldemorts. Yeah, exactly. So it's really interesting. It's mm. just like people have said, it's different, it's darker, and it, it's a little bit more adult. Yeah, I haven't read the second and third books in the trilogy, although I am meaning to. I'm sort of waiting for the next time I'm on holiday. I feel like it's that kind of mm. read. But I, I think would... you do need a bit of time mm. to get into these books. I would be interested to hear from any listeners who have, actually, and whether anything we've said is then addressed or redressed in what happens next. Yeah, it was interesting, but I do think overall I was like, wow, this has just made me all the more aware of all the many reasons why I just think Harry Potter is like the best thing in the world. Yeah. I just think it's amazing. <laughs> So yeah, interesting read. Maybe not a total recommendation, but... Definitely one to check out, if, especially if fantasy is like yeah. your area. So Caroline, for next week, mm. we're going to crash back down to Earth. <laughs> I was going to recommend you Luther, which has been on TV since like 2010, but something that I only really recently started watching and I've just binged my way through the whole first three seasons in like a month. So I would recommend that you do the same. Okay. <laughs> I'll see how I can get on in, in a week. <laughs> yeah. So watch the first one. That's what I'm going to recommend you. Let's start slow. So it's um, it's like a... I, I want to say it's like your standard sort of crime, detective mystery drama. But it's a little bit more interesting than that. And especially I think this first episode is. Because there's just like a lot of fun elements to this. And you get introduced to characters that stay with you for a long time. And I am, I'm interested particularly to see the first episode because it's kind of Idris Elba before he was famous, really. I guess so, yeah. I don't I don't actually know that much about the trajectory of his career, but I do think this was his like, big it breakout role. It was his role, like, big breakout it? role, so... Yeah. yeah, and he is excellent. He's so watchable, he's so handsome, and he just plays the character really, really well. The second lead in this is Ruth Wilson. Mm. Do you, have you seen her and mm. stuff? I love her, and I think she's amazing in this. And you get introduced to all the many difficult aspects of her character in the first episode, so I'm really excited to see what you think. Okay, I'm looking forward to that. Thanks for listening to Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to Seriously. All you have to do is search S-R-S-L-Y in iTunes or any other podcasting app you use. While you're there, it would be really great if you could leave us an iTunes review as it helps other people find the show. We also rely on you listeners for your recommendations. So if you want to tell us what you thought about something or if you've got something we should watch, you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, via email. All the details are on seriouslypodcast.com. If you like, you can also recommend us to your friends, family, neighbours, strangers. Let them know that you like the podcast and they should be listening to it too. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah.